I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Uh, listening to the news and watching what, what's going on in the world, you know, we talk about culture here an awful lot and the falling culture of America, the, the, the spinning down the toilet bowl culture of America. And, and I'm saying to myself, that there has to be a reason, an underlining reason why our society is falling apart. Now, I have to tell you that I honestly believe that every society, if you look through history, every society has spun out of control and fallen apart. It's what happens. We look at the great Roman Empire. Now, for all of its faults that it obviously had, the Romans developed technology and creature comforts and building cities and, and empires. And it was just absolutely amazing. And then they held it for, what was it, the Pax Romana, 500 years of peace because of the control they had over it. Now, eventually, it fell apart for the same reasons that America's falling apart. There was plenty of everything. There was uh, relative peace, so therefore people could sit around and say, hey, what can we do different? How come this is not so good? Whatever. Uh, and we end up seeing uh, the same spiral happening. And then, of course, you had outside forces, very much like what we have today, outside forces that are hostile uh, towards us, uh, starting to line up to change the balance of power, uh, i.e. China, Russia, North Korea. Uh, and all these other negative players that would love to displace America on the world stage. Well, one of the things that I had seen was there's a there's a controversy that's been going on forever and ever. Now, when I was a kid, when you went to school, you know, you went in, in the morning, everybody saw each other, you know, you got in the classroom and the teacher's getting ready, and then we would stand up and we would salute the flag. And then sometimes there was a prayer the teacher would say a quick prayer so that the day would go well and everyone repeated it. Nobody thought much of it because I guess we were all pretty homogeneous, right? Uh, everybody was either a Catholic or a Protestant or a, a you know, Presbyterian, but we, all, we were all Christian. Uh, there was one or two Jewish kids in the class and the prayer was not Catholic or Christian-centered really, um, but it was a prayer that everyone could say. And we did that. You know, that's what we did. And saluting the flag, then there was a moment of silence. And the purpose of the moment of silence was to remember those who have sacrificed for the good of our country and for all of us. Now, these were things that we thought about at the start of our school day, every single day. And the Pledge of Allegiance was not to make us little drones that run around and just follow the government, but the words of the Pledge of Allegiance we were pledging allegiance to the concepts of freedom and liberty and justice for all, right? So one of the things we talk about today, this, this whole craziness that we have in our culture is this pursuit of social justice, social justice, social justice, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. The idea that we should live in justice for all of us is, is perfectly aligned with the, the founding fathers constitution that they created, right? But we pledged allegiance 
to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, when you think about those words, and this is the point I'm getting to, I always say that words mean things. When you're talking with someone, you have to listen to what they're saying, right? Not just what what the way they say it, but the inflection in their voice, the tone of voice, and the words that they choose to use, right? Because sometimes we will use different words. Remember, very, very famous individual, uh, political individual in our, uh, in our country, President Bill Clinton. Uh, now, remember Mr. Clinton, he got himself into a little trouble with an intern in the White House, and he parsed his words, he parsed his words because he was trying to send a specific message. So communication, whether it's verbal or whether it is um, physical, in writing or whatever, how we communicate is very important. So President Clinton stood in front of the nation and asked, answered a bunch of questions about his relationship with his intern. And if you'll remember, one of these things, uh, something came up about something or other. And he says, it depends on what is, is. Now, that was a simple sentence. It depends on what is, is. Now, he was talking about the word is. He was trying to parse the words down to change the meaning. Because in reality, if is meant the first thing that he was trying to consider, then it just means he's just a dopey guy who did something stupid. If is meant something else than that, then it means he did something really bad and should be removed from the most powerful position on the planet Earth the presidency of the United States. So we can see how important words are and the words that we use. And Bill Clinton was very good at this. He was very good at trying to use the right words because there's a thing that I, when I teach, when I teach people how to make business uh, presentations, I teach police officers and school people how to be safe and all that. One of the things I talk about is when you communicate, you tell them what you want them to know. Now, that seems like a simple sentence as well, right? But it's specifically chosen. Tell people what you want them to know. Not just the words you use, but what am I trying to instill? So I'm trying to instill safety and security. I'm going to tell them, hey, listen, uh, if you have a proper plan and you practice it, while it might be uncomfortable to practice that plan, you will be able to survive. So what I've combined there is the concept that I want them to know. Right? Tell them what you want them to know. I want them to know you might not like doing this. Lots of people are afraid doing you know, proper drills because they're afraid. Everyone will be traumatized. They'll be, it'll be scary. It'll be... But the reality is if you do a good practicing drill and you do it regularly, you will be safer. doesn't mean everyone will survive an event, but it means maybe more people will survive an event. Right? So we tell them what we want them to know. And that's what Bill Clinton was trying to do. He's parsing his words specifically to say, depends on what is, is. Right? So the controversy of the Ten Commandments being in our schools, and that's why I was reflecting on my time in school as an elementary school student, because we would, we would do that morning prayer, we would salute the flag, and we'd have a moment of silence to show respect for the people who sacrificed for our country and literally for, uh, for me and for my family to make us uh, free people. And I'm saying, what, what could people possibly disagree with about those practices? Well, obviously, they disagreed with the fact, well, some people did disagree with the fact that there would be a religious connotation and it was a Christian religion that was being imposed on everyone for having to say a prayer. 
Then it was making people who don't like America pledge allegiance to America. Even though they're living here, they're enjoying the benefits of America, they don't like America. Maybe they don't like America's history. They don't like what America stands for. And therefore, they shouldn't have to pledge allegiance to the country. And then the moment of silence. Again, moment of silence of what? For silent prayer? Well, we can't have that. We have to have separation of church and state. Well, in a moment of silence, let's let's break that. Let's break each one of these down individually. So today we have a society that is running rampant with crime. We have people who have uh, self-destructive ideas. We have people who are lost. They have nothing to cling to except the state because we've removed religion from everything. There's, there's, there can be no connection to a, a bigger purpose, to a, to a purpose where it is God-centered and we are blessed to be here. Right? We have to get rid of all that. We have to say, no, there's none of that. It's all nonsense. We have to believe these uh, progressive, uh, I don't know, even know what to call them, progressive uh, thoughts, these progressive uh, dictums that say, oh, you believe like this or that, or, or we can't have any of the other stuff. So this is what I started thinking about anyway, and, and I'm getting far afoot here. My point being this, because words are important and words mean things, when we break these things down, we break down the moment of silence. There's nothing there that says, we're going to have a moment of silence, and now you're going to pray a Christian prayer in your head quietly. That's not what was said. The purpose of the moment of silence was to reflect either on your day, to give a little self-reflection on what am I going to do today, what's coming up, do I have a test today, I have a big game in gym, do I have something going on at home, or you could think about the people who sacrificed for you, and they died on the battlefield, thinking of the, the men and women who have sacrificed for our country over the years. That would be a time for us to look and say, wow, self-sacrifice has brought upon the face of the earth the greatest country in the world. Maybe I can find ways to be self-sacrificing for the good of my community, for the good of my family, to look at something bigger than myself. So I say, what's wrong with that? There was no connotation that it had to be a Christian prayer. It was just a moment of self-reflection, and you could consider those things. So I see no problem with that, but it was all lumped into one because we have reached a point in our society in the 1960s, in the 1970s, 1980s, that we had such abundance, we were the leader of the world, therefore we can stare at our own navels and try and figure out uh, how we can start trouble and problems, and you can see what it has all led to. All of this progressive thinking, which in the past I've said, I understand the, the, our, our, our progressive friends because I have friends and family who are very liberal very progressive and I think they mean well I think they want the best I really do the problem is is that the way they go about it their policies uh, and plans don't take into account human nature how people really function in the real world Instead, they have this pie in the sky look well if everybody just did this it would be great and they don't take into account individual human people and how people behave and interact with each other. So there's the first one, the moment of silence. What could you possibly argue about that? Let's have all of our young people take a minute, a minute of 
uh, of silence, when there's no cell phones, when there's no games, when there's no bullying, when there's no nonsense going on, no distractions outside of a minute, 35 to 45 seconds, maybe a full 60 seconds, to reflect on who they are, their place in the community, and what they can do to make their own lives better, the lives of people around them. Uh, maybe think about some some situation where, gee, you know, maybe maybe say a silent prayer in your head if that's what you want to say. And it can be a Muslim prayer, it can be a Christian prayer, it can be a Buddhist prayer, it can be a Hindu prayer, it can be whatever you want. It can be an atheist thought where you can just think about, you know, it would be nice if everyone got along. And what can I do to be a part of helping everyone get along? That would be fine. But my point here is what would be wrong with that? What would be wrong with the kids taking a minute for quiet reflection? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. It would actually be good. It might be good. Because I got to tell you, when I think back to my days in elementary school, and I remember the prayer, and I remember the moment of silence and the Pledge of Allegiance, even as a little kid, I thought about those things, the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, you had to learn the words, right? You had to remember, you had to learn the words and, and pronounce it and say it, recite it for your teacher so you could get it, and then the whole class would say it. And I thought about it, and they actually, those words rung true in my head. You know, I'm pledging allegiance to the United States, right? To the, uh, to the flag of the United States of America. And then that's when it came to me, even as a little kid, that I was pledging allegiance to freedom and justice and liberty for all. For everybody. Right? So that made sense to me. In a moment of silence, I remember thinking, because at that time, I was when I was in school, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, the Vietnam War was raging on. And my, my mother and father were very patriotic people. And they were... Uh, talking about the war and what was going on and all the protests and the soldiers dying and all that. And I, in my moment of silence, I often thought about those soldiers, those young soldiers that were in Vietnam that were fighting for freedom, right? They were trying to, to help uh, the Vietnamese people have freedom and in that way protecting America. If there's more free countries, the better off we are, right? As a little kid, I remember thinking about that. And sometimes I did say a prayer for them. God, please keep the soldiers safe that are fighting to keep our country free. Things like that. So I, I did take those messages away from that. And when we said the prayer, okay, well, we were a family that went to, went to church on holidays. Uh, we talked about religious, spiritual stuff, but we didn't go every, every Sunday. We went on the big holidays, like, like most of the people in my orbit at the time. Um, there were some families that were regular churchgoers every Sunday, um, but most of the people that I knew, the families that were like mine, uh, had a spiritual background. We all did our sacraments. Everybody got baptized. Everybody uh, made communion. We all made confirmation. We did all that stuff, and we went to church on Christmas and Easter, you know, things like that. And then there was other people that went all the time, and everybody got along. Nobody picked on anybody because your family went to church. But that's, that's the kind of situation that we had. And so those things didn't really affect us uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but but that's, that's got me to thinking about that. So there's nothing wrong with the moment of silence. The prayer. Okay, here's where we get into the problem. The prayer. If you say a Christian prayer led by the teacher, and the teacher represents the state in the public school, then therefore the state is picking a religion. 
and that is what we're saying. The state cannot uh, sponsor or endorse a particular religion. Now, that makes sense, right? Uh, people say, well, it really should be. Well, let me, let's explain. Let's think about that for a minute. The majority of people are Christian. So therefore, a Christian prayer would be appropriate, right, in the classroom. But like I told you, I had uh, a couple of kids in our class as I was going through school that were Jewish. And they didn't, they didn't hold Jesus in the same position that I did. He was not the Savior. He was a prophet. And to have them have to say a prayer that uh, made Jesus more than what their religion told them he was uh, would, would be a little probably confusing or uncomfortable. So I could understand that. But what if we had a teacher who was, uh, who was Muslim and wanted to say an Islamic prayer? Well, all of the Christian kids would probably be put off by that. So I get the idea of having the state establish a particular religion would be difficult. We're not a, we're not a theocracy. Uh, so therefore, uh, a simple prayer, something along the lines of, Dear God, now that can cover any uh, deity that you believe in or how you believe God represents uh, himself to the world, uh, to the universe. Dear God, please watch over us all help there be peace in our world and keep us all safe and happy. Right? That's a very that's a that's a non-denominational prayer, you know? Uh, I'm not dear Jesus, please help even the the Jewish and the Muslim kids who don't believe in you. Uh, that would, now that would be totally inappropriate. But a a generic prayer to God is something we can all do. Now what about the atheist kids? They don't believe in God. Why should they have to say it? Well, that would be inappropriate to make somebody believe and say something something like that, prayer, say a prayer for something they don't believe in. So that's where the opt out. If you don't want to say the prayer, you don't have to. But everyone else, the majority, shouldn't be uh, removed from the ability to take a moment, just like the moment of silence, where some self-reflection. And if you believe that there is a God, if you believe there's a deity that created the entire universe and gifted all of us with life, if that's your belief, no matter, no matter your denomination or your religion, if you believe there is a God that did that, you should be able to take a minute and say, thank you, God, for another day of life. Please help us to have it be better. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're an atheist and you don't want to say that, you don't have to say anything. You could think something in your head. Dear trees and, and streams. Uh, you know, help the world to be a better place, whatever they want to pray to, you know, or, or to, to, not even prayer, whatever they want to say in that moment, they could. But I don't think you can force people to say a prayer about a particular religion. So I agree with that. Uh, for the bigger picture, what I don't agree with is towns and cities refusing to allow any kind of religious uh, depiction. Because putting up a creche, you know, the manger scene at Christmas time, is not saying that the town is a, this is a Christian town and you'll have to do it. I think there should be in the town square, uh, all religions should be able to put up uh, a display at their time of the year during their holidays. I have no problem with that because that is the entire community coming forward to express uh, their religious underpinnings. And I think having religious underpinnings, no matter your religion, other than Satanism, uh, because, uh, you know, this craziness with, you know, oh, the church of Satan has to be there. Satan is evil. 
they are about evil, and therefore we can reject that. We're not going to do evil things in our society. But other than that, I think in the town square there should be uh, an Islamic display. If they have, you know, Ramadan, they want to put something up. Uh, our Jewish friends could put things up. Our Hindu friends could put things up. Our Catholic friends could put things up. Because that is the community celebrating. And it's nice when we all celebrate together. I may not have the same beliefs that you have in your religion, uh, your underpinnings, your, your, uh, your points of, of learning or whatever. But I can certainly appreciate that you have them. And I can learn something about them when I see a display from someone else. So as I start to, as I, as I break these down, you see what I'm saying here, right? There's room for that kind of thing. Uh, so having a kid say a prayer, they shouldn't have to. But saying a prayer may change the thinking of someone who may do something bad. Having religion, because I got to tell you, just like I said earlier, when I was a kid and I thought about the moment of silence and the Pledge of Allegiance, even as a little kid in those moments, I thought about those things. Well, when we said the prayer, uh, it also reminded me of the times that my family did go to church and what Christmas was about. And it wasn't about presents and Santa Claus, although that was very nice. As you got older, you start to realize that in my religion, Christian religion, it's about the birth of Jesus, the Savior coming to earth to save all of us, right? To forgive us all of our sins so we can all go to heaven no matter your denomination or your belief or your lack of belief, right? If you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven, right? And you do the right things. You treat each other properly. So I remember considering that and saying, you know, okay, yeah, it made me think for a minute. So when I saw a kid get bullied by other kids, because I had these thoughts in my head that we should be nice to each other, there should be justice for each other, that there should be uh, care for each other, I would intervene and I would try and help the kid who was being bullied. You see, so the bigger picture here is if we have this uh, religious underpinning, these thoughts about uh, self-sacrifice, about things that are bigger than ourselves, that we're not just the center of the universe, that there's a lot of things going on here, can translate into better behavior all around, a less chaotic society, a less me-centered I don't care about you. I don't care if you get hurt. I'm doing what I want to do kind of society. Rolling around the toilet bowl ready to be flushed. That's my point. So those three things, and, and I'm thinking about them saying, okay, they don't want the Ten Commandments up there. Um, they don't want religion in the school. But when you think about the Ten Commandments, I would, I would offer this. I would say, what about the Ten Commandments don't you agree with? Is it just because they come to us from a religious point of view? Or do you have some other problem with the Ten Commandments? So I think the easiest way to do that is to take a look. What exactly are the Ten Commandments? And let's see where we disagree with, with these things. Uh, is, and I think it is just because it's, it comes to us from a Christian form of religion that people are against it. But it was also Jewish, right? The Ten Commandments were Jewish at the time. So I think they are universal beliefs that I can't see anything wrong with any of them. And having them hang on the wall just because they're religious, well, you're denying the majority of religious people in the country the ability to see, think, and reflect on what they believe to be the word of God, whoever their God might happen to be. 
uh, for the couple of people who don't believe that. And they can be exempt from that. They don't have to look at it, right? So, you shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. That's, and I guess that's the, that's the big one. You shall have no other gods before me. So, that means that a pagan kind of a religion where they have the god of the sun and the god of the trees and the god of the river and the god of the sky, you know, something that I think most modern people reject. Uh, we are monotheistic. There is one deity, no matter what religion you're in. Uh, or there is no deity, you know, if you're an atheist kind of a person. And then we have people who are, well, I think there's something, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't think they think there's a god of the sun and a god of the floor and a god of the ceiling and all that other stuff. Not to put that down. Uh, I just, I don't, I think that is something we've been enlightened to that we can say, yeah, okay, that's probably not correct. There's, if anything, there's a deity. But I can see where people might have a problem just with the wording. You should put no gods before me. Hmm. And what about the god of, you know, uh, trees, you know, uh, you love the trees, so you see them as the god. The earth is the god for people who don't see a deity in their life. So maybe uh, no gods. In other words, do the right thing for everybody. But I can see where they might have a problem because of the word god there. Right? Number two, you shall make no idols. Now, what's the purpose of that false idols? Because that displaces God. You're putting things in the place of God. Hasn't our entire society? replaced God in every way. So the second commandment, you shall make no false idols, um, not only has been accepted, but when we removed the Ten Commandments from church, we also took on the bad things, right? So now we have uh, false idols. The false idols are everywhere. Uh, unbelievable numbers are false idols uh, for what the, what the what's good and what's bad. Right, so uh, they, they probably don't like that one. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, don't be a little creep, a little uh, idiot, a little person who, who has no respect for anything. Now, in this case, the word shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But I think it's really about respect, right? Don't. Don't be disrespectful. Now, who do we want people to not be disrespectful to? Well, there's lots of things. How about don't be disrespectful to each other? Everybody, don't be disrespectful to each other. How about don't be disrespectful to the elderly? How about not walk up behind the elderly and punch them in the back of the head or punch them in the face and and cheer and video it and, and, and celebrate what a great thing you did, punching a 70-year-old person in the face and knocking them to the ground, right? Hmm. Maybe it's about respect, and we have a complete lack of respect in our society. Lack of respect for tradition, lack of respect for each other, lack of respect for everything. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, the Sabbath day. What's, what's the Sabbath day? Well, for the Christian religion, it's Sunday. For our Jewish friends, it's Saturday. Uh, and I got to be honest, I don't know for our Muslim friends what which day of the week they consider to be the Sabbath. But the whole idea, what's behind the Sabbath, is take a day to reflect, just like the moment of silence. Take a day to reflect on the world around you and see what's going on. Think about things bigger than yourself for a few minutes, I think is really the idea here. Um, number five, honor your father and your mother. Oh my gosh, how horrible of a thing to say. Honor your father and your mother. Maybe if people honored their father and their mother more and thought about them, 
uh, there would be more consideration to being grateful for what someone has done for you. Now, I know not everyone has great parents. Not everyone had a great upbringing. But the huge majority of us had mothers and fathers that cared for us and took care of us. Maybe if we honored our father and our mothers more, if our government did so, instead of cutting fathers out and providing payments for people to to induce them to be single, to collect money, maybe we would have less crime. Statistics tell us when there's a mother and father in the home, there is less uh, chance that the children will go bad and do bad things. So who can argue with honoring your father and your mother. I don't, I don't get that. Um, that seems like a simple one. Maybe we have to make a generic set of these things. All right, well listen, we got more to talk about. I'll be back in a minute to do more of this. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody. Lieutenant Joe, I'm back here. We're on a roll here today. 
Uh, so we're halfway through the Ten Commandments. We're trying to figure out uh, if you don't like the religious connotation of the Ten Commandments, what about the commandments themselves? Uh, what could you possibly find wrong? So maybe we need to make a generic set of these to put up in the classrooms to just remind people about being decent. You know, because one of the things our friends on the left do is that they understand a couple things about humanity. First of all, if you give a message and you continue to give the message, if you control the message... If you control the message and what is being said, you control the narrative. That's why when they control the media and they have all the outlets and the news and the entertainment and the movie industry and the messaging they send forward becomes very powerful because they're in control. Tell them what you want them to know. Tell them what you want them to believe. And if you, you, you spew that out, how many times have you spoken to somebody where they, they, they throw back at you, you have a conversation about whatever it is, um, something going on in our society, and people just spit back to you uh, the little uh, little clips they hear from the news, right? These little nonsensical uh, things. You know, it's, it's, it's freedom or justice or it's not right. right? How, many do, how many times do we hear these things back? Because people don't really sit and think things through. They hear something, it feels good, it makes them, they're told that it, they're good if they do it. That's what virtue signaling is all about, right? I, I may not really believe something, but if I virtue signal that I believe it, then I'm a good person and I won't be attacked and they'll like me and I'll have friends and I'll get invited to the parties. It's not real, right? It's not nonsense. It's, it's all nonsense. So the whole idea here is, is what exactly is it that we're trying to get to? So we were, we were covering the Ten Commandments, and we were looking at them and saying, okay, what could you possibly argue against? So we had no God before me. Okay, so that means uh, people may not like that because the word God is actually in there. Uh, but what they're trying to say, no God before me, is that there's something bigger than all of us. It is not just about me, the individual. And, uh, you know, don't get that confused with, uh, you know, the... the excellence of being an individual in America, right? Creating your own future, your own destiny. That's not what that's talking about. When it says no God before me, I think the bigger message there is understand that there is something bigger than you. And yes, while you are an individual and you are important and your dreams should be pursued, you should have every opportunity to pursue your dreams and reach your, your potential, whatever that may be. The reality is there's something bigger than all of us. How did we all get here? Did we ever think about that? That we're just, this just all happened? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a God. Maybe it's not. But there's something bigger. The life force. The life force, if you will. As some of my, uh, my friends on the left might, uh, might like to talk about. The life force. Not necessarily God. All right, so there is something out there. Number two, make no idols. In other words, don't be disrespectful. Um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Again, don't be disrespectful. Don't be nasty. Think about things. Uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. Take a day to reflect, to think about your life. What am I doing? What path am I on? Should I really be doing this? Uh, am I heading for prison or am I heading for a better life? Am I making the world better or making the world worse? I'm not too bad. And honor your father and your mother. Again, I think we see a lot of respect uh, in these first five commandments. So that would tell me that even thousands of years ago, when either you believe God created these, or when you believe, if you believe Moses created these, they were all about respect. Respect is something that we're missing in our world today. That is one of the reasons people will punch 
an old person in the back of the head and think it's funny. This is the reason people will do a lot of the things they do because they don't respect anything. It's all about me and what I want. There's nothing bigger than me. There's me. I am the God. You see, so if you replace a deity, if you replace something bigger than oneself with yourself, you're the thing, you're the God, then there are no rules. There, there is no compassion. There is no care for others. They simply do whatever the hell you want to do. And if that means punching an old person in the back of the head, tripping somebody, stealing their stuff, raping them, shooting them, uh, whatever you want to do, that's perfectly okay. And isn't that the mess we see today? So just these first five commandments alone, uh, just those, if we just had those followed uh, on a daily basis without the religious connotation, just a generic, you know, don't take things, don't take people's names in vain. Uh, be respectful to, to those around you. Respect people who have come before you, right? If we just had those things, think of how much better our society would be. So let's go to the, the second set of five, right? Because we got the Ten Commandments. So here we go. Here's a good one. You shall not murder. Now, you shall not murder. Uh, murder is the purposeful taking of a human life. Right? The purposeful taking of a human life, normally for a negative reason. I want the life insurance, so I'll kill my wife. Right? That's murder. You're planning to kill someone for a nefarious reason. When it comes to homicide, and people get all these things confused, and that's why I had to, even in even my most recent book that I wrote called The Investigation from Blue 360 Media, I talk about, uh, it's about a, a brutal double homicide. And in there, I talk about, in, in, in the beginning, to understand what, what is homicide, what is murder. What is uh, manslaughter? Because isn't it a case of everyone ends up dead? Somebody's dead. Why do we call it something different? Because there are, there are words, and words mean things. So therefore, murder means the intentional taking of someone's life for some nefarious reason, for some kind of gain on your part, or disrespect or dare not care for that person's life because you want to get something. In the case of shooting a police officer, it might be because you want to get away. You don't want to be held accountable. So therefore you kill the officer. Uh, killing someone you just raped is because you don't want to be held accountable. You don't want to have a witness. So you rape the person because that's what you want to do. And then you kill them. You murder them. You purposely take their life. You burglarize their house. And again, you don't want anybody to say you were, it was you. So you, murder, you kill them purposely. A um, manslaughter would be you do something stupid that potentially everyone could understand might lead to someone's death. You know, uh, you're in a bar fight for no reason and you punch somebody in the head and they fall down, hit their head and die. That's usually a manslaughter because your intent was not to murder the person, but you were reckless and careless in your behavior. And you punch somebody in a bar fight in an area where they could slip and fall down and hit their head. Just like these idiots that run up behind these elderly people and punch them in the back of the head. Right? First of all, that's an assault. If you injure the person seriously, it's an aggravated assault. If the person falls to the ground and they die, then you would have... Um, you could, well, you could have a choice there. Uh, manslaughter, which is what they mostly get charged with, because was the intent to kill them or just to humiliate funny and punch them in the head and watch an old person fall to the ground, right? Um, but if the intent was, hey, I don't care if I kill this person, boom, and you hit them and they die, then it's murder, right? See, see what I'm saying? There's, 
there's different uh, shades of taking of a person's life. Then there's justifiable homicide. Uh, police officers, again, let's go to them. They show up on a scene and there's people uh, committing a robbery and they have weapons out and they're pointed at the owner of the store uh, and they decide they're going to shoot at the owner and the officer shoots them, right? Shoots the, the assailant and they die because you get hit with a bullet, you die. Uh, that is a homicide. That is the taking of a human life. But it would be justifiable homicide because the officer was acting to protect a third party from an evil person. Right, a criminal who is going to hurt them, right? Because we don't have a right to hurt each other. So, you shall not murder. Wouldn't it be good if they if they push this message in, say, I don't know, Chicago, in the schools? Because our friends on the left know you start with the kids, start messaging to the kids early. Um, by the time they're in uh, high school, they kind of get all this kind of stuff, and it becomes what they believe because they've heard it their whole lives. Their teachers tell it to them. Their movies tell it to them. Their music tell it to them. And next thing you know, you control the narrative, right? So wouldn't it be good to put up, you shall not murder. Killing people is bad. As a society, we think killing people is bad, and you shouldn't do it. What could be wrong with that? Well, maybe that's what we should put up there. Uh, it's not good to murder people. So don't, don't kill anybody. Maybe that's a generic commandment we could put out, right? What could, how could you argue with that? You shall not murder. No, no, you shall murder. Is that, because, is that what our society is saying? No, so it would be good to tell people that. How about the next one? You shall not commit adultery. So what exactly is adultery? Adultery is, in its generic form, um, cheating on your spouse. Now... I guess in some circles, this is perfectly acceptable. Say you have an open marriage where you and your spouse decide it's okay to have other people to engage in sexual activity with. Well, that would be consensual. And if that's what you want to do in your marriage, I would guess that would be fine. But the reality is in a religious form, adultery means once you've committed in marriage uh, before God, before your deity, then bringing anyone else into the relationship is adulterous and it's not good. Now, why would that not be good? Well, let's see what happens. Let's take out of the, the consensual part where people want to be swingers and they, they both agree it's really cool to go and uh, engage with other people sexually. Say you don't believe that. Say you are a, in a committed marriage, even a marriage where you don't go to church a lot. You're not Maybe you don't go to church at all. And, uh, you know, the whole God thing is not your thing, but you love your spouse and you're making a life with that spouse. You're going to raise children with that spouse. You're going to have a family. You're going to plan on to get a mortgage, uh, send people to college, uh, take care of the elderly people in your family. See, that's your goal, right? How can adultery hurt that? Well, if one partner sneaks out and has an affair with somebody else and the other partner finds out about it, that can damage the relationship. That can be a, that's a betrayal and that can damage the relationship and cause a lot of pain to the point that the, the marriage, the relationship may come apart, may break up. And if that breaks up, then the children have pain, if there are any children. The other family members, the extended family may feel betrayed and it causes a ripple effect. It's not good. If you decide to commit to someone for your life, then you should stay with that person and work out the problems. But Lieutenant Joel, people fall out of love. People don't, do yes, they do, but again, this is about a bigger concept than self, okay? Uh, you fell in love with the person. 
And if you, if you, other than for abuse, if somebody's being abusive, then I think you got to go. You can't stay in an abusive relationship. That's that would be terrible. But the whole idea of adultery, why is it bad? Why would committing adultery be bad? Because it damages the family, and the family is at the center of our lives. If we keep family together, whether you are religious or non-religious, if we keep family together, we have a better chance of having a less chaotic society. If we have respect for one another and for family, we have a better society. And if we don't commit murder, we tell people murder is bad. It's not, uh, it's not something you do to uh, stake your territory or to prove your worth. You don't murder people. Right, so I see nothing wrong with uh, five and six. I think uh, that's pretty good. Oh, here's a, here's a great one. How about this? You shall not steal. You shall not steal. What could possibly be wrong with telling people that? For putting this in a classroom, you shall not steal. How about we say stealing is bad? Not it's okay to steal. It's bad. Stealing is bad. Don't do it. Good people don't steal from other people. They go out and earn money so they can get what they want. You don't steal. There's no reason to steal. So one of the things I teach uh, in an ethics class, I do an ethics program. And one of the things I do, and again, this, ha this has to do about how words work in a in a conversation how words have meanings and how do you how do you deal with different things one of the things i say all the time is i ask a question is it wrong to steal simple question so i'm asking you at home in your car wherever you are right now is it wrong to steal all right so just wave your hand in the air if you think it is wrong to steal Okay. Now, I would assume that most of us raised our hand and, and waved our hand in the air, that it is wrong to steal. I think we can all pretty much agree with that. If you don't, that's, first of all, if you're saying to yourself, no, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's wrong to steal. There's something wrong with you because it is wrong to steal. Let me tell you that. It's wrong to steal. If it's not yours, don't take it. Simple as that. But I would think most of us, the huge majority, is saying, yeah, it's wrong to steal. So then I ask the next question. Is it always wrong to steal. Now, if you believe that, raise your hand. Now, from my experience, I can tell you that for the first first part of the question, you know, is it wrong to steal? Most of you raised your hand. When I ask the second question, is it always wrong to steal? I'm going to say this is where lots of people went wobbly. I don't know. Well, you know, is it always wrong? I don't know if it's always wrong, you know. Is it? And here is where understanding how words and how when you say certain things, how all of that works because we can then start adding things into our thoughts, right? So we say it's wrong to steal. We have a bright line. We have a bright ethical line. It's wrong to steal. But then when I ask, is it always wrong to steal? What people start to do is bring, thing, bring other things outside of the question into the equation. What they start to say is, well, you know, um, I guess, it, but if you had to eat and you had no food, no other choice, then, then you'd have to steal. So stealing might not be wrong in that instance. And Right, so we start to think, that, and the problem here with this, and this is we don't teach logic, we don't teach thinking, we don't think through things. The reality is that it's not so much um, being confusing in the question, because I'll, I'll tell you right now, for everyone who didn't raise their hand, it is always wrong to steal. It is always wrong to steal, no matter what. Stealing is wrong. We answered that in the first part. It is always wrong to steal. 
what we have to understand is that we did not ask the right question, right? Because the things that people bring up, well, what about a person who has to have medicine and they have to steal it? What if they have to have food, right? The reality is the question should be handled differently. Instead of, is it always wrong to steal? What if I was to say, is it ever understandable that someone would steal? You see, so understanding that someone would steal, you are still recognizing that stealing is wrong, but you could understand why somebody might do it, why they might purposely choose to do something wrong because there's a bigger picture involved. Maybe they consider it justifiable stealing, that kind of thing, right? So when I ask that question, is it ever wrong to steal? Uh, is it always wrong to steal? People wobble and they, I don't know. And they usually bring up exactly those things. Well, if I had to feed my kid and how many of us would let our kids go hungry? If you could find a way to feed those children, you would go and do it, wouldn't you? Right? But there's other ways to do it besides stealing. So this is, this is a good one. So if we gave that messaging to our young people and to everyone that it is wrong to steal, if you need food, there's ways to get food. You can ask for help. You can go to a church. You can go to a government agency. There's people who will give you food. But it is always wrong to steal. So therefore, maybe at that moment that someone decides they're going to bash the window in your car in and go in and take your, uh, your stereo or go in and take uh, your briefcase or your computer in the backseat, maybe they might think about that and not committed. Maybe if they had a moment of silence in the morning in school and they self-reflected and said, well, you know, what road am I on? Maybe they wouldn't bash your window out. Maybe they saw you walking up the street and decided that their impulse was to, to assault you sexually. Maybe if they had thought in the morning about being respectful to other people and that there's something bigger than themselves, maybe they may not drag you into the bushes and assault you. Maybe they would give pause for a moment. Maybe they would think, well, gee, what if my mother and father were here, would they approve of what I'm doing? Would, if they were standing right here, would, would, would they say, yeah, grab that woman, drag her in the bushes and sexually assault her because you feel like doing it, right? So there we go. We're moving right along here. These commandments can help us in every single day uh, interactions with each other if because there's not I can't see anything wrong with them other than people might not like that. They're comfortable. They're supposed to come from God and I don't want to hear about God. And we all know the state of our society, when we don't want to hear about God, look what we got. All right, so shall not steal. That's a good one. Oh, here's another one. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't be a lying SOB. Don't lie about things. You know, when you blow a stop sign and you T-bone somebody and then the officer shows up and you say, they stopped right at the middle of the thing as I was going, or they stopped in front of me, and you try and change the blame. Right? Or maybe you don't like somebody. Maybe, maybe you don't like somebody so much that you decide you'll come up with some crazy story about them. You'll say, like, I don't know, like there's 51 intelligence uh, uh, agents that would say that somebody was, was, uh, was bad and that the information that they had was improper when you know that's not the case. Maybe you would lie about somebody colluding with, uh, with somebody. Your neighbor, Bob, he colludes with Frank around the corner to make sure that uh, they come to the community garden and steal all the tomatoes. Maybe people would make up a story about colluding because they really didn't like somebody, right? Don't bear false witness. What could be wrong with that? In other words, don't be a lion, SOB. Don't make things up about other people. My goodness, imagine if we had that, the media would disappear. 
the media would basically disappear if we followed that one because they come up with lies and distortions every single day to back up what they want to believe and report. So that one would probably be a good one. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. I, I can't see what's wrong with that. Don't be a liar. Um, and then number number 10, you shall not covet. Now, to covet means to want something that doesn't belong to you. So in many cases, they say, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife, right? She may be a wonderful person. She may be very intelligent. She may be very beautiful. And you don't particularly care for your spouse or you don't have a spouse. And you really like that guy's spouse. So one of two things, you either go over and attack her because you want her, or maybe you try and woo her away. Maybe you, you spend time talking to her, trying to convince her to go with you. Um, but you're, you're thinking about her all the time. You're coveting, right? You're coveting. Um, maybe you see somebody's sports car and you really want that sports car. You think about it all day. How can you get that car away from that person? Well, don't covet. Go earn. Go out and earn your own things, right? So what would, what could possibly be bad, okay, about coveting? Hey, she's hot, man. I want her. He's, he's beautiful, man. I want him, right? Whatever it is, I want that car, you know? What could be, no, there's nothing wrong with desiring things, right? There's nothing wrong with desiring things because that helps motivate us to work harder, to go get things, okay? Maybe if I went to the gym once in a while and I worked out and I lost some weight and I, and I got into, into physically fit, first of all, it'd be good for my health, good for my life. I'd probably feel better. But boy, then maybe I could meet someone like my neighbor that I seem to like so much. But you know what? Again, respect. That's my neighbor's wife. I shouldn't sit around lusting after her. I shouldn't look at his car and figure out how can I get that car away from him because I really want that car, right? Go and buy your own car. So I don't see, again, I don't see anything wrong with this. It, it's also a good inter, introspection thing for you as an individual not to want other people's things so much that you lose track of the things that you do have or you lose track of ways to go and get what you want, which is motivating. So those are our, our, our 10 commandments. And my point here was that when I hear people arguing and fighting, these shouldn't be in the courthouse, these shouldn't be in the school, these shouldn't be in the public... It's because of the God connotation. So maybe we come up with a list of generic things that you shouldn't do, all right? Um, and, and put them up there because these are good messages. And that's the bottom line. Why would we not want good messages? So you should have no other gods before me. How about we think about others uh, before we uh, make a decision? What, what would happen to those others? So think about others before you act. Number two, make no false idols. Don't believe in things that aren't real. Believe in things that are real. Believe in things like family and friends and justice, right? We want to believe in those things. Don't take the name of your Lord, Lord God in vain. How about be respectful to those people around you? Be respectful to your traditions. Be respectful to your history. Be respectful to those who have different opinion than you. Keep the Sabbath day. Let's take some time to reflect. How about, let's have reflection time. Have a reflection day where you sit and think about your life, where you're going, what you've done, and how you can be a better person. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Honor your father and mother. Wow. Uh, that one I would pretty much keep, keep it as we instead of say, you know what? Show respect to everybody and think about those people who came before you and those people who were helping you and those people who need your help. Why don't we think about those people and what can I do to help them? That was probably the thing. So I like that one. 
You shall not murder. That's pretty good. How about don't kill anybody? Right? Don't kill anybody. That would be a simple one. Don't commit adultery. Don't betray those around you. Don't betray people who have put trust in you. Don't betray people who care about you. That might be a good one. You shall not steal. That's pretty easy. Don't take somebody else's stuff. That might be a simple one. Don't take somebody else's stuff. If you didn't earn it, it's not yours. Right? Uh, and don't bear false witness. Don't be a liar. Don't lie about other people. Tell the truth in every instance. And don't covet. Figure out what it is you want in life. Work hard to go and get it. Maybe if we, if we had uh, sayings like that, generic kind of things, uh, we might be able to have a, a better society. So the Ten Commandments, because of the religious connotation to them, have been rejected. And we've seen the rejection of the Ten Commandments because they are connected to a deity, to God. Uh, we've removed that from our society, and we see our society falling apart. Not that the religious uh, laws or rules that we have in all our different religions uh, are meant to keep us from having fun. They're not. They're intended to keep us on a path where we do what's good and what's decent, because that is what's good for ourselves personally. It's good for, what's, uh, for our families. It's good for our friends. It's good for our society for people to act appropriately, to do appropriate things. Right? to treat each other respectfully. Think of how much better our world would be if we all respected each other, no matter what we thought or believed. You can disagree with someone's actions and what they do, but we don't have to call people names. We don't have to hate people. We can maybe make a case, maybe try and help them to understand things better. Maybe they can help us understand things better, right? Isn't that what tolerance is really all about? <clears throat> Excuse me. So all of this really comes down to an understanding of what, what's the purpose of these commandments and why do we have them? Because they deal with human nature. And without any guide rails, human nature will lead us to do things that are destructive, maybe not for ourselves, but for everyone around us, which is why we see a rise in crime, why we see a rise in antisocial behavior, why we see rioting and looting and stealing and taking other people's stuff, and we see people assaulting each other, killing each other, and laughing about it, because our society is spinning out of control, because we've removed the underpinning understandings of what makes for a decent society. So I just wanted to, to discuss this today, good and evil, because there is good and there is evil, and we have to make a choice which way we're going to go as a society and as an individual. The Ten Commandments are some pretty good rules, even if we take the God component out of it and just listen to the words that they're trying to tell us, and we can say, you know, let me think about it. Maybe we should pledge allegiance to the flag and to what it stands for, liberty and justice for all. I thought that's what we're all out here for. I thought that's what social justice was. And then we can have a moment of silence where we can reflect or maybe say a prayer to help us get through the day. I think we would have a much, much better society. So, everybody, I thank you for being here. Let's all think about this a little bit and talk to the people around you. See what other people think about this. Maybe that's how we start the ball rolling. Because remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. See you down the road.